is. Amen. And I, I think that if we'd spend more time talking about how awesome he is, our problems would look as small as they really are. Amen. There is power in worship. There's power in praise. There's power in lifting him up. If two men that had been beaten and uh, torn apart all day long, thrown in the bottom of a dungeon, if they could start opening up their mouths and cause a prison to open up, set free everybody else that's in that prison, and then get someone saved, I, I think that we can spend some time in worship. And we're in much better conditions. I don't know how many of you have had your backs opened up this morning with rods or with whips. I don't know how many of you are in stocks and chains and sitting in the bottom of a dungeon, but most of us are doing a bit better than that. And uh, so we ought to be able to open our mouths, worship him, praise him, lift him up. Amen. It's a great way to start the week. It's a great way to start the day. And you don't have to have drums and someone leading you and a guitar player and uh, you know, someone on the keyboard creating those awesome sounds, you can do it with your mouth. Say, well, I don't sing that well. Well, God thinks it's awesome. So if you can't do it around anyone else, just at least get alone with him because he loves to hear it. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to continue our series, uh, Extraordinary. We're getting close to wrapping up because we picked five individuals. I could have gone all year with this. I could have picked 52 for that matter. We've got five individuals that... Uh, we have been looking at over the course uh, of the last several weeks, we're up to our fourth individual today. We're going to talk about David, King David. And again, remember, to take you back to the beginning of this series, we're talking about people in the Bible that God used to do extraordinary things. And so when I say King David, we get the, oh, yeah, man, he's awesome. He's great. He did some awesome stuff. But remember what we're highlighting in this series is the fact that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We talked about Abraham, and this guy was beyond, I mean, he was lower than ordinary. I mean, we would have looked at this guy and would have said, yeah, you're extraordinarily not the right guy. You're in the opposite direction. You're 100 years old, you can't have kids, never been able to have kids, beyond the, the age of having children, and God, that's the one that God picks and says, yep, that's my man, he's going to be the father of many nations. He ain't fathered nothing to this point. And so God picks a guy that shows limitations. And so we, what we learned from Abraham was that God is a limitless God. And when you let God take his limitless self and work through your limitations, He'll show up, and he'll add his extra to the ordinary in your life. Amen? Then we looked at Moses, and Moses had a past, and Moses had insecurities, and Moses was not the right guy to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He wasn't the right guy to stand before him. This guy was a murderer. This guy had killed somebody back in Egypt. This guy didn't even know who he was. Am I an Egyptian? Am I a Hebrew? I was born a Hebrew, but I've lived as an Egyptian. And so now he's just run away to, the, to a land called Midian, and he's just trying to get away from it all. He, he's not even trying to, to uh, uh, you know, find out. He's just, I'm just going to be a shepherd. I'm just going to do something. And in the midst of doing something, God picks him through a burning bush. And we know how that conversation went. Moses shot down everything that God said. Hey, what about this? What about that? I can't do this. I can't do that. But 
Those are the exact reasons why God picked him. Because God loves to use people that think they have limitations and take them beyond what they thought they could ever do. Amen. We saw Joseph. And Joseph was a young man that had the great call, was shown the extraordinary from the beginning. At the age of 17, being the youngest in his family. And then tells his family about it. They laugh at him. They mock him. And then from the time he had that dream, his life went backwards. You know, sometimes when you're going after God, it seems like you're going backwards. Sometimes it seems like I'm doing everything right, but everything wrong is happening. How can the wrong be the result of something right? But God was showing him that every time you thought you had a setback, I was just setting you up. Every time you thought you were being... I was taking, you thought you were taking a step backwards. I was actually moving you, getting you into position. Because I needed to know, could you handle being second in command? Could you handle going to the man and saying, this is what your dream is? Could you handle that? And the dream that wasn't working out for the majority of his life is the very thing that God used to catapult him to greatness, to something extraordinary. Just an ordinary guy that got thrown in a pit became the slave, and he, uh, he did extraordinary at every ordinary level. Every level of his life, he chose to exceed. And what? The favor of the Lord was with him. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite statements out of that whole, uh, out of all of Joseph's life, is he's standing before Potiphar, a slave. And Potiphar even had to recognize, this slave is bringing honor to my house, is bringing the favor. These are not... These are not God-fearing people. Potiphar isn't a man that's over in the corner reading his Bible every day and waiting for, the, waiting for God to bless him. He's an Egyptian. He's an enemy of God's people. But even he had to recognize, there's something about you. I got to get you to stick around. I got to keep, keep you because you're doing something just by being here. When you learn that God can use my ordinary to do extraordinary, people will realize we got to keep you around. We can't fire this one. We can't let this one go. Well, no, we need to promote this one. We need to get this one to the top. People will begin to recognize. The people around you will recognize what's in you. And that's what happens when you get yourself to greatness. Amen? So we're going to talk about David today. And David was a hard one, I'll be honest, because it's like, where do you start? All of them is like, where do you start? Because there's so many phases of extraordinary. It's also because when you really get into their life, you can see how ordinary became extraordinary. You know, and, and we look at the end, we look at the end result, the last thing. And, uh, you know, we think about David as a king. We think about David killing Goliath, but sometimes it helps us to get to the beginning and then look at the path all the way up. But David, there's too much. I could spend the rest of February talking about David. Um, but I want to highlight a part of David that I think is the most crucial, the most important. And I believe that this is the part that we all struggle with the most. And that is the call. The call. Everything that you do, everything that God places on your life begins with a call. We can go to all five of these people and find a call in their life. There is a moment 
where an assignment has been added. Abraham, God comes to him and says, at the age of 75, you're going to be the father of many nations. Joseph has the dream at the age of 17. Moses, the burning bush. David has Samuel come visit him. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're really just going to camp there um, because I want to highlight a few things out of this passage that are going to, that I believe are going to catapult us into an extraordinary life. Because David, David was the epitome of ordinary. David was the epitome of ordinary. So let me get you caught up a little bit. We've got a man named Saul. King Saul, God's people didn't want uh, God to be their king any longer. They said, make us like all the other nations. Make us like all the other people. This is after Moses and Joshua and the promised land. This is after the judges come in. You got Gideon and Samson and Deborah and all those guys come in. And they're trying to, you know, be God's man because God loves to use people. Amen. God loves to use people. He's not doing anything in the earth today without using you and I. Nothing. So God is always looking for, who's my man? Who can I go to? Who can I place my spirit upon and lead my nation out? He's looking for those people. And so uh, this is after the judges, and we're the, in the book of Judges, we're in this cycle of disobeying God, falling away, crying out to God. God hears their answer, brings a judge to deliver them, and then they fall right back into sin again. They went into the promised land to change it, but eventually they became changed by the very people they were supposed to change. The very environment they were supposed to go in and ignite to look like the kingdom, they, they ended up becoming what was around them. And so finally they... Uh, speak up to Samuel, who is a prophet of God. That's a man that God used to speak to the people for God. And they say, uh, we want a king that will rule over us. And Samuel says, no, you don't. If you get a king, he's going to make all your women and children slaves. He's going to tax you. He's going to make you work hard for his stuff. You don't want a king. They No, no, we, we want a king. We want a king. So Samuel goes to God and says, Lord, what do I do? He says, don't worry. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. They're rejecting me as their ruler, the one that is in control and governs their life. And so he gives them a king. That, man named, that man's name was Saul. And he started out as a righteous guy, obeying God. But he eventually fell into the trap that all leaders and all kings have to be careful of. And that is listening to the people over listening to God. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, something very tragic takes place. God sends Saul on assignment and says, go to this country and demolish the Amalekites. And I actually did a message once on a whole study of the Amalekites and the reason why God wanted to obliterate them off the face of the earth. They were one of the number one enemies of God's people. And God said, I want nothing left of these people. Now, there were some times where God would let them go in and take something, keep the spoils for themselves. But there were other times, such as Jericho, where God said, get rid of all of it. Don't keep any of it. And then we had the sin of Achan, you know, where he kept something and brought the whole nation under a curse. And so 
Saul is given the command, get rid of all of it. Well, he doesn't. He listens to the people and does what he wants to do, essentially, is what it boils down to. Doesn't listen to God. And this moment is tragic for King Saul because it removes him out of being a king. So we're one king into this whole thing, and we're already a broke system. <laughs> I mean, man doesn't get very far with God's stuff. I mean, three chapters into the book of the entire Bible, and we've already failed. Now here we are, one king, the first one, and he's already choosing to do his own thing. And the people chose Saul, but God said, you know what? Let me do the picking this time. And so we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and he went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely Lord's anointed is before him. Now, this is Samuel speaking. And Samuel is a prophet of God. Samuel ought to know when the right one is standing in front of him. Okay? But he gets to the first son. He gets to the first son. And says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But verse 7 says that Samuel said to Samuel, do, or the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Here's the number one thing you need to know about being extraordinary. It has nothing to do with who you are on the outside. God has a different standard and a different system for people who do great things. God looks in a different location. Now, we've all heard this verse, and we all love uh, you know, to identify this verse and, and pull it out in our own lives. But God sees extraordinary even when everyone else sees ordinary. Now, we know this verse. But what we tend to do is try to help God out sometimes by taking care of the outside stuff. And there is a time where you've got to take care of the natural. If God's calling you to do something, there may be some learning. There may be some training. There may be something you need to do. But when it's all said and done, God has a priority in another place. God has a priority in another location. 
And sometimes we spend more time on the outside than we do on the inside. Your greatest area of preparation to do extraordinary things is going to be your heart. That's where you're going to place the most emphasis in preparing. See, what we get to see here is kind of the step of preparation for David. Because we know the extraordinary things he did. We know that he marched before Goliath and uh, said, you come at me with swords, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And, uh, you know, charged at him, threw a stone at him, hit him in the head and killed him. Uh, And we know that that just led to all kinds of stuff from there. But David was actually busy doing something else before that even showed up. David was busy not just watching sheep, as we're about to find out, not just playing a harp and writing psalms and hymns. He was preparing his heart. Without preparing your heart, you'll never do anything extraordinary for God. Extraordinary has nothing to do with just taking care of the outside. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you only put emphasis on the outside, you will come short anyways. You can't prepare yourself enough on the outside for what God wants you to do. You couldn't do it even if you tried. And we've already found out three men into this thing that God isn't picking people based upon the outside stuff anyways. So why put the work there? Why put the emphasis there? Let's work on what God's really looking at. Because it's not man that's going to promote you. It's not man that's going to choose you. It's not man that's going to call you. It's God that's going to call you. He's the one that has the power of favor. He's the one that's going to promote. He's the one that's going to restore. He's the one that's going to lead in God. So let him work on the stuff that needs to be taken care of. And so we see that this is a very powerful verse right here because it leads us to what God is looking for in getting ready for the extraordinary. That God doesn't look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. See, Samuel's starting to get it now. I've got to look somewhere else. I've got to find something different. I can't just look at what I'm seeing on the outside. There's some, I've got to go a little deeper here. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Are all the young men here? Verse 11. Then he said, These remain. There remains yet the youngest. I love how they just point that out. See, man is always trying to disqualify. Man's always trying to rule you out. Oh, there's this guy, but he doesn't have enough training. There's this, there's this lady over here, but she doesn't have the right career to, to do that. Oh, yeah, we, we've got these people over here, but they don't, they don't make enough money. Man is always trying to disqualify. Man's always trying to come up with a reason why you shouldn't. And God's always trying to find reasons why you should. <laughs> God's always looking for, I've got a reason why I'm using this one. He may be the youngest. He may be out with the sheep. He may be doing this and that. But that's the one that's been preparing his heart. So look, Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. I love this. For we will not sit down till he comes. (laughs) See, 
God, God's like, I'm not going anywhere till I get the right man in front of me. We ain't moving. Get him in here. Because there's an assignment that's about to be placed upon this man's life. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, here's the things that we've got to point out from David's call. Because when you look at David's life before he actually did the things that we know that he's famous for doing, um, you don't see a lot of training. There's not a lot of, of, of fighting going on in a, in a field of sheep. <laughs> now, obviously, David had his qualifications. Hey, man, I took out a bear. I took out a lion. This giant's nothing for me. But he wasn't alluding to the fact that he killed a bear and a lion. He was alluding to the fact that God was with me the entire time. So if God was with me against the lion, and if God was with me against the bear, he'll be with me against the giant. See, there was preparation taking place. There was something that God was showing to David that identified this is a training ground for you. Pastor Mike down in St. Augustine has got one of, the, one of his most famous statements. Preparation time is never wasted time. And this is the lull that we get into because we all get the call. And the call is always greater than where we're currently at. God loves to talk to you about your future. He doesn't like talking to you about your past and about your present. He likes to talk about your future and what can we do today to get you to tomorrow. That's the God that we serve. That's what God is looking at. And so there's a time of preparation because David here is anointed as king, but he doesn't become king right away. There was preparation that was still taking place. See, David went through a lot of garbage. You, if you really read about David's life, you wouldn't want to be David. But you need to be David. David learned to serve a man who was trying to kill him. King Saul was not best friends with David. How many of you could work for someone that's coming after you? trying to attack you. Some of you think you've had some, some bad bosses in your past, but have they ever thrown spears at your head? <laughs> have they ever tried to dig something in your back? Literally, not just figuratively, but literally trying to kill you after your life, put you on the run, but then when you have the moment to say something about them or take them out, you don't. See, there's preparation taking place. David was preparing the thing that God was looking at while everyone else was preparing what man looks at. But God will pick the one that is preparing what God looks at, the heart. See, David didn't need to be a mighty warrior to be a king. David didn't need to know how to be royalty to be a king. He needed to know how to keep his heart right before God to be a king. Because Saul had all that. You go back and read about Saul. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. Not David. 
Saul qualified. Saul was qualified on the outside. Amen. Saul was qualified, but David was qualified on the inside, even when the outside didn't match up. Now, here's the other exciting part. What was David doing when Samuel showed up? Why was David still out there when all the rest of the brothers? I mean, apparently no one ever thought we were going to get that far down in the list. <laughs> Don't even bother calling him in. Just stay out in the field. I mean, we'll, we'll, make it to, we'll probably get to at least Abinadab or Shammah. And after that, you know, it's got to be one of the seven that's in this room right now. Because there's no way God would pick a shepherd to be a king over his people. Sometimes the extraordinary call begins with an ordinary assignment. See, this is kind of what we got into with Moses last week. See, sometimes we're neglecting the current assignment because we're waiting for the greater call. Sometimes we're neglecting the very thing that God has us in today and we're not operating not preparing ourselves in what we're in today because we're always just reaching for more. In the midst of reaching for greater, we still have to take care of what's in front of us today. I mean, it's, it's very simple. We have to learn to be faithful with the little or we will never be given more. I mean, the Bible's very clear. What you put in is what you get out. And this is where a lot of people struggle is because we're not faithful with the little. We don't show up on time for the small job that we have, but we think, man, if I ran this place, I'd be here, on th I'd be here early, I'd stay late. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You know, something I always ask myself Am I being the person that I would want working for me? If I was in charge, would I want me working for me? Or would I have to call me and say, hey, where you at? Would I have to constantly be running behind and making sure that me is doing the right thing at the right time and not getting sidetracked? Would I have to go to me all the time and say, hey, I heard you've been saying this about so-and-so? Would I have to have those conversations with myself? Because how in the world am I going to expect people to work up under me if I'm not even being the right person up under someone else? And so David valued his assignment. David valued his position. David valued who he was as a shepherd. And took that time as preparation to set himself up for something extraordinary, even though it was something ordinary. See, extraordinary always begins with ordinary. Extraordinary always begins with the ordinary. And what we don't realize is that the ordinary is actually preparing us for the extraordinary. Your ordinary job is preparing you for something extraordinary. Your ordinary family is preparing you for something extraordinary. Your ordinary daily routine is preparing you for something extraordinary that God has for you. 
God looks at what you're doing with the ordinary to determine what will you do with the extraordinary. If we can't take care of the small things, how would we ever take care of the great things? And really what it all comes down to is value. It's value. When you value what you do, even if it's small, then you'll value what you have even when it's great. You know, if I, I, if I can't take care of a 15-year-old vehicle, what would convince somebody to give me a brand new one? <laughs> but take care of the junk one like you would take care of the new one. And people, sometimes we, we get ahead of the game, but God is always wanting to see what we'll do with the ordinary. God is always wanting to see what we'll do with the small. And we can't ever neglect the ordinary while going for the extraordinary. You, you notice David, uh, you know, didn't just stop being a shepherd and come into his, he didn't, you know, get anointed by Samuel and then turn around and look at his dad and brother and he said, you saw that, right? You get out there. You wash those sheep. Go clean my clothes. No, he went, all right, thank you. Right back out to the field. And then the assignments that come. I mean, take some time to read about David's life. The next thing that he has to do is he has to go play his heart before King Saul because he's got a distressing spirit on him now. And you're thinking, I'm king. I've been anointed. I mean, this isn't just, hey, I'm going to make you king one day. You've been anointed. The oil is on your head, man. And you're going to the king who's got to distress his spirit. You know how many people try to determine if a leader is worth following? And then if they don't think that they are, they back out and say, well, I'm just I'm going to do it then. Because, <laughs> I mean, David could easily have looked at King Saul and said, dude, you are jacked up, bro. You need to just get out. You need to just step down, man. Look, I got this. I've already been anointed king. You got some crazy spirit thing going on. But no, he's playing the harp for him. And then this is the one that God picks to take out Goliath. When trained men of war couldn't even do it. Saul himself killed a lot of people and he couldn't even get out before that giant. And David says, I don't need your stuff. I don't need your resources. I've got the greatest. See, he, he, he stayed with that. It's what's on the inside that matters. I don't need your shield and I don't need your spear. And I don't need your sword because I got something on the inside that's greater because God's God has called me, and I've got a trust and a reliance in him that if I charge that giant, God's going before me. It instilled something within David for the rest of his life that the inside is more valuable and more important than the outside. Then Saul begins to hate David because he's getting more glory and, and getting... Uh, you know, more honor from everybody because he killed Goliath. And so now he puts David on the run for years. The king, 
is running from the wrong king. The right king is running from the wrong king now. Fearing for his life. Had two separate times, two separate opportunities to take out King Saul and didn't do it. Didn't do it. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Even when Saul eventually was killed, some guy on David's side took the credit for it. He thought he was going to, he thought David was going to be all happy and excited. Man, as soon as David finds out that I killed Saul, man, he's, I'm, I'm going to the top. I'm going to be his second man in charge. He goes out there and guess what, man? I was out there in the, in the battle and, and I, I killed him. And David killed him. <laughs> he said, you do not touch the Lord's anointed. And then the whole time as David reigned as king, and even when he messed up, even when he blew it and had an illegitimate relationship, he still honored God, still served God, still showed that I can do extraordinary things because of the ordinary that I started out as. The preparation that took place when I was ordinary is what is preparing me, is what has allowed me to do the extraordinary things that God has called me to do. There are extraordinary things that God has called every single person in this room. But it may begin as an ordinary assignment. It may begin as something small. And what we do with the small determines what we'll do with the large. It determines if we'll ever be given the opportunity to be given something great. It will determine if we're ever given the opportunity because you don't want to step into an extraordinary assignment with the wrong heart. You don't want to step into doing something great for God with the wrong heart. It will bring you down. It will tear you down. And God knows that. There's more at risk. There's more that he wants to do. See, when he gives you an extraordinary call, it's not about you. It's about everybody else. It's about all the people you'll influence, all the people you'll come into contact with, all the people you'll have an impact on in their life. Every single person that God called to do something extraordinary was to reach other people, was to do something great for other people. Abraham was the father of many nations. He gave birth to a nation of people that would be God's people. Joseph saved uh, Egypt and the entire region at that time. Moses brought God's people out, delivered them. Now David was able to rule over God's people righteously. One of the greatest kingdoms, one of the greatest nations that has ever existed. And after that, there were many kings that showed up, ended up being a king with the wrong heart. But when you have the right heart on the inside, everything on the outside will line up. You don't have to worry about the outside. You don't have to worry about the training. You don't have to worry about the bank account. You don't have to worry because you know I've got the thing on the inside that God cares about the most. Amen. I want to know that I'm preparing myself on the inside. I want to know that I'm ready in my heart before I'm ready on the outside. Amen.
Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for the great things that you have called us to do, great things that you have in store for us, Father. But it begins with getting our hearts prepared for that. That promotion isn't just about us having the right qualifications. It's about having the right heart to be in that position. That amount of money isn't about just having a lot of money and going to another status. It's about having the right heart to obey you with it. Father, there are so many ways, so many things that you want us to do that are great for you and your kingdom. But it begins with our heart. This morning we take time, Father, to look inside ourselves to recognize what is our heart, what is our position. And Father, I thank you that as you're leading us, you're guiding us, all those little tweaks, all those little things that we can make, the adjustments that we can make in our, in our heart, Father, those are valuable to you. Those are important to you. And I thank you that you're going to cause each and every individual to do extraordinary things, regardless of the ordinary, regardless of the ordinary position we currently hold, the ordinary bank account we have, the ordinary family we have. Father, I thank you that extraordinary is coming out because we take care of the thing that matters the most to you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.